church family, you're fine with me, the book of 1 John. We'll begin to read in verse number 1, 1 John 1. We'll speak to you this morning on this subject, broken fellowship with God. Broken fellowship with God. 1 John chapter 1, we'll begin to read in verse 1. Won't you stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in 1 John chapter 1, begin to read in verse 1. The Bible says these words, That which was... From the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us and truly. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. My little children, I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the whole world. Let's pray together. God, we ask your Spirit would speak to us and challenge us today. God, I pray your Holy Spirit will do only what he can do in this place. That's to convict of sin, righteousness, judgment to come. God, I do pray if there's one here who's never turned from sin and trusted you to be Lord of their life, Spirit, I pray you'll shake them, unnerve them, bring them to a place that they truly realize the decision that they're dealing with. It determines where they're going to spend eternity. And to be able to have the opportunity now to have a life that matters So, God, I pray that as we come to a time of invitation, they'll choose today to turn and truly trust Christ to be Lord of their life. Father, I pray for brothers and sisters in Christ here today who have been born again to the family of God at some point. But someone here today, Lord, it's out of fellowship with you. It may be in their mind a small sin, but sin is sin. I pray you'll remind us of that today. But show them where they stand today, backslid, out of fellowship with you. Father, I pray that these truths that are found in this text today will become real to their life as they turn, they confess, and they find cleansing that can only be found again through the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for the one that's in a right relationship today. You'll remind us that the Bible says, let him that stand take heed lest he fall. And I pray that these truths will be restored up in our heart that if we do sin, we quickly and immediately will take those steps to have fellowship restored. Bless this time. I pray your perfect will would be done in all ways. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I invite you to be seated. 
Remember that in Luke chapter 9, <clears throat> verse number 23, Jesus, as he makes a call to all people, he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, that's to follow Christ as Lord of your life, to live the life of a disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. Listen, he says, and follow me. Uh, John chapter 10, and in verse number 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John chapter 12, and in verse number 26, Jesus said, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Christ reminded his disciples over and over that the life of a disciple is bound up in following Jesus. It's walking with him daily. John calls it having fellowship. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Can two walk together unless they be in agreement? Friend, you'll never be able to walk with Jesus daily as his disciple if you don't agree with him in all things. And that agreement is bound up in having fellowship, to have all things in common with Christ. And it's not that he lowers himself to our standards and condescends to have fellowship with us, but we turn and experience life that can only be found in him, surrender to his will, and then to his word. And through that, we have fellowship with him. I want you to notice three things today about broken fellowship with God when we're not walking in agreement with him. Uh, fellowship is broken. And that's what John begins uh, this letter with. First off, he speaks about a necessary birth. A necessary birth. Look at verse number one. He said, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John is reminding his readers that He's a first-hand witness. He experienced the life of Christ, but he experienced it firsthand. Uh, verse 2 says, the life was manifested, and we have seen, literally with our own eyes, we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father through all eternity, before time was, and then was manifested uh, to us. Uh, verse 3 says, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John says, we've experienced Christ personally and now we have fellowship with him because our lives are bound up in him. John says, there not only came a time where we chose to follow him physically, but after he died and rose again, we made a personal choice to surrender our life to him spiritually, and we continue to follow him. And verse 5, he begins to, to speak of a message. Look, look at verse 5. This is the message. So here's the three points, the source, the sending, and the sentence. You could just preach this one verse. This is John's message. He said, this is the message which we have heard from him. So John says, we didn't get it from ourselves. So the source is, it came straight from Jesus Christ. He said, and then there's the sending. We declare uh, this to you. John 20, verse 21, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, he said, so send I you. So why was John writing this letter? Well, because one, he was an omission Christian, but two, the Holy Spirit of God led him to write it because he had given his life to reaching, teaching, and encouraging. Uh, Acts 1.8, you shall be my witnesses. You shall receive power 
And so John was living that out. And he said, God sent me to tell this to you. So the, the source is Jesus. He's given us a message. I'm declaring it to you because that's why I was sent. And here's the message, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Uh, but we're born in darkness. We're born separated from God. Now, in Christ, John says, God is light, in him is no darkness at all. But man has a problem. We're born in darkness spiritually. We're born in sin. Uh, David declared it this way in Psalm 51, verse 5. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother did conceive me. Now, David wasn't saying that a natural, healthy part of a relationship between a husband and wife was sinful when David was conceived. He's just saying that when his father and mother conceived him, they passed on to him what they had inherited from their parents, and that was a sin nature. And all people have that problem. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, verse 23 says, For all have sinned. And that means we're born with a sin nature, and therefore because of that, listen, we're born in spiritual darkness, separated from God. Isaiah 59 to a verse we say so often, but friend, it's such, there's such clear truth in it. Your sin has separated you from God. And so mankind is born separated from God because of sin. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says, By one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they passed on to us something that they inherited at that very moment, and that was a sin nature. And so man is separated from God. But here's good news. The Bible says in verse number 9 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that word confess is something that's been lost in the day. We were in our funeral that our, our church family had a long day of ministry yesterday, and we're thankful to be able to, uh, to, to, to minister to the family of Brother Gene Mays. But one of the words that we spoke about yesterday was saved. Uh, Brother Gene, had, it was written in his obituary that he wanted all of his family to be saved soon. That word saved in southern church is a word that's kind of lost its meaning. A lot of people equate that to say, you know, have you been saved? Oh, yeah, I'm a member of a church. Oh, yeah, I've been baptized. And see, and to begin with, those things have nothing to do with being saved. They're, they may be realities that take place later and should be because they're commands of Christ. But initially, that has nothing to do with being saved. Saved from what? Saved from the penalty of sin, which is an eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Well, the word confess has lost its biblical meaning. Have you confessed? Yes, I've said that I'm a sinner. I've said my sins. But that's not what confess means. Confess literally means to say the same thing as God. It means if God calls it this, then we say it's that. We live in a day where sin's been reclassified and the edges have been rubbed off. But the Bible declares in verse number 9, if we say the same thing as God says, if we confess, and not just sin, friend, but our plural, sins, all of them, we confess, and part of confession is repentance. When we do that and we confess Christ to be Lord of our life, Romans 10, 9, and 10, the Bible says in verse number 7 of chapter 1, look, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. So sin separates us from God when we're born, but don't miss this. 
if we confess Christ as Lord based on what he did for us on the cross, the acceptance of what he did and that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 10, if we trust him to be Lord of our life, and then in verse 13 of Romans chapter 10, if we confess him as Lord, we will be saved. And so now we have a right relationship with God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace have you been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, because if war of works, everybody boasts about it. And talk about, look what I've done. But it's not, it's, it's all by grace through faith. It's God's undeserved gift to us. What we do deserve is hell, but he offers us mercy and doesn't give us what we do deserve. And so all mankind needs to have a right, relationship with God. It's a necessary birth, a spiritual birth. And it's all because of what Jesus did. It's what the choir sang about all morning long. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. He's the atonement. He's the payment. You see, you and I deserve to die for our sins, but we can't ever pay for our sins. Only Jesus Christ could do that because he is sinless. Only a sinless, spotless sacrifice can atone for sin. And we're born spotted. We're born lame. But God sent Jesus Christ to this earth to be the sinless substitute for all mankind, to be a propitiation for our sins and atonement. And so the question to ask this morning is this, listen, not am I a member of a church, not have I been baptized, not have I turned over a new spiritual leaf, or not, not have I, do I have the latest and greatest spiritual help book, but have I been born again? Is there a moment in my life where the Spirit of God alone convicted me of my sin and I chose to turn from all sin, I confessed it to Jesus Christ, I agreed with God, I turned away from all of it and I laid all of my life, not part of it, all of my life at the feet of Jesus and surrendered my life to His Lordship. Has there been a moment when that's happened? Friends, if that hasn't happened for you, I don't care how religious your family pedigree is, you're lost. And you need to be born again. And so you can't have fellowship with God until you experience that spiritual birth. And we say it so often, seems like almost every week, but as I continue to hear all these politicians online, and Lord, help us with all that's taken place in our government. Friend, again, the only hope we have is a spiritual awakening. Our country needs Jesus. Your marriage may be in trouble today. And someone say, well, you, you, you need some counseling. You know, you need to find you a good counselor. Let me tell you what you need. You need Jesus in the center of your marriage is what you need. Say, so I, I need some, I'm, I'm having some trouble reaching my, my child. Let me tell you something. Your child needs Jesus, and then you need Jesus to give you wisdom how to minister to your child. Christ is the answer to every problem that mankind faces. Because man's born separated from God. They don't have fellowship with God. Jesus spoke it very plainly in John chapter 8, verse 37. And again, you'll, you'll not see a breathy praise course based on this interaction with Jesus Christ because it doesn't fit the picture of the contemporary Jesus who would never offend anybody. But listen to what Jesus is saying to, to a group of lost people who, oh, by the way, said, you know, we're, we're, verse number 30 says, many believed in him. 
But they didn't surrender their life to him. They believed in the miracles, but they didn't trust him as Lord. In Jesus, verse number 37, John, John chapter 8, listen very closely, said this, I know you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you've seen with your father. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if Abraham, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Now remember, Mary got pregnant before she and Joseph had consummated their relationship. And we know from the word it was by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit of God overshadowed her. But local people in the country, they just thought she got pregnant out of wedlock. Listen to what the Bible says. They said to him, we're not born of fornication, trying to smack at him. We have one Father, God. They were nothing but religious. Listen to what Jesus said to them, verse 42. If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Listen, because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But I tell the truth, you don't believe me. Well, Jesus was asking them to really get to the bottom of this, friends. Who's your spiritual father? He said, your spiritual father is the devil. And friend, that's a good question to ask this morning. Friend, listen, who's your spiritual father? It's not, again, in the South, friend, it's all about being a good Baptist for most people. Always, I was, now you hear people say it all the time, well, if my kids would just get back in church, they was raised in church, what would he do? Have they been born again? That's what makes the difference, friend. Getting in church just gives somebody something to do on Sunday morning. Listen to me, friend. The devil comes to church every Sunday morning. He's here this morning. He doesn't want you to hear truth. The question is not about how churched you are. The question is, have you ever had a spiritual birth that can only be explained because you repented of sin and you trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life? That's the necessary spiritual birth. Jesus said, John chapter 3, verse 7, you must be born again. The reason our country, again, friend, in the south and the shape it is in is because man doesn't have fellowship with God because they're separated from God because of sin. And Jesus is the answer. You must be born again. There's a necessary birth. Secondly, notice as it concerns fellowship with God, a neglected backsliding. A neglected ba backsliding. L look at verse number 3 of First uh, John 1. It says, That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. Now he's speaking to those who've been born again, who've, who've trusted Christ to be Lord, that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship, what we have in common, is with the Father and His Son, Jesus. Because Jesus took on the form of a man, we can become partakers of His divine nature. Second Peter chapter one and verse number four. We're able to have to have fellowship. 
with him and to, and to take part in his divine nature. Philippians 2, 5, to let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also, to think like Christ, speak like Christ, act like Christ, through the empowerment, Philippians 4, 13, of the Holy Spirit, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can live the life of Christ because I yield myself, and he does it through me. John 15, 5. So when saved, when a person repents of their sin, past, present, and all future sin is atoned for. And if you're thankful for that this morning, say amen. Past, present, future sin. It's all atoned for. But fellowship can be hindered because of unrepented sin. The effect of unconfessed sin hinders fellowship with our Father. Now listen to me. There's a difference between sonship and fellowship. Let's see if I explain it to you. My boy will always be my boy. The, the day that he was born, May 1st, 2009, he was named Chad Nichols Chandler Jr. And he goes by Nick or Jr., whichever. And sometimes it's just boy. Boy, come here. I want to tell you something, friend. There's nothing that he can ever do to change the fact that he's always going to be my son. That's sonship. But fellowship can be hindered and broken. If he disobeys me, fellowship's been broken. If he disobeys God and doesn't do what he's supposed to do, fellowship is broken because he's not following the encouragement and leadership his mother and I are giving him. He's always going to be my son. doesn't matter what he does or where he goes. But fellowship between us can be broken because of choices that he makes. It's the same spiritually. When you're born again, friend, you're always going to be a part of the family of God. You can't ever change sonship or daughtership. You're either a son of God, a daughter of God, or you are not. Birth, friend, is, 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 a, is a truth. If you've had a physical birth, say amen. Friend, with that same assurance, if you've had a spiritual birth, you should be able to say amen. You should know whether there has been a moment that you repented of sin and trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. Then you're in the family. But that doesn't mean that you have right fellowship with God today. And so that's what John is writing about. He says that we can have fellowship that is broken, backsliding away from God. Look at verse number 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, that is, I'm, I've been born again and I'm walking with Jesus. I'm, Luke 9, 23 is a reality in my life. I'm following Jesus every day. All along the way and in all things, I have all things in common with him. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, but we walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. See, it's not about what you say, friend. The truth is in what you do. We're, we've been so deceived to think everything's based on what I say. Again, verse we've said a lot here the past few weeks, Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him to call upon him in truth truth is it is it a reality that i have fellowship with god am i really walking in the light but friend if i'm walking in darkness 
fellowship is broken. That is, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, sins of commission or sins of omission, things you're supposed to do and you're not doing, you're out of fellowship with God. And my friend, if, there, if you're out of fellowship with God, there's going to be conviction. You hear me this morning, listen to me. If you say you've been born again, and you sit here this morning and you know that you've got unrepented, unconfessed sin in your life, and you feel no conviction over that whatsoever, I'm telling you on the authority of God's Word, you have never been saved. When you belong to God, and sin comes into your life, you're going to know it as soon as it happens. Because the Holy Spirit of God, friend, brings conviction. It's part of being in the family of God. It's a reality of sonship. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 5 says this, And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, that is conviction because of sin, of which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate and not sons. What's the author of Hebrews saying? If you can sin and God doesn't chasten you, friend, you don't belong to God. Friend, I don't discipline anyone else's kids. I discipline mine. And friend, God doesn't discipline the devil's kids. He disciplines his own. His Holy Spirit will convict you and call you and draw you and woo you. And it's God's will that you'll choose Christ to be Lord of your life so that you can be born again into the family of God. But when you sin and continue to sin, you say, Oh, I've, I'm saved. I've been born again. And you have sins of commission, sins of omission, and you feel nothing. The Bible says here, you've never been, you've never been born again. But one of the assurances that you have been, friend, born again, is that when you sin, you can't get away with a blooming thing. As soon as it happens, you know it. Well, verse number 6 says this, If we say we have no fellowship with him and walk in darkness, that is, fellowship's been broken, we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. We're lying about the reality. And there's so many people that are living in spiritual la-la land. And it can be through appeasement, wrong counsel. It can be from family members who say, oh, you're, God, God wants you to be happy. That's a big one today. Friend, I can assure you, God's a whole lot more concerned about your holiness than he is your happiness. So the Bible says if you say you have fellowship with him, but you're out, you, you lie and you make, you make God a liar and you don't, Practice the truth. And one of the worst forms of deception is self-deception. Look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, but the Bible says that we do, and the Spirit of God is convicting us that we do, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's one of the worst things that can happen to you. The Spirit of God's trying to stop you before you drive completely off the cliff. You've chosen to go down a road separate from which is Christ's will and word leads you to drive on. And the Holy Spirit's putting all these signs in front of you, all these roadblocks. And probably like some people, you know, you're like, well, just pray for us. We've got these roadblocks in our life. 
I don't know what God's trying to do. He's trying to stop you from losing your testimony and possibly your life. And what do people do? They just change gears, man, and talk about what a wonderful, relevant time we're having as we sail off the cliff into the crevasse below. And meanwhile, friend, God wants you to be miles back down the road having fellowship with Him, following Him in His Word and in His will. But self-deception is, it's okay. Everything's all right. This, everything is fine. And you deceive yourselves that you're in fellowship. It's possible to believe the lie. But when you do that, look at verse number 10, friend. The Bible says, if we say we have not sinned, but the Holy Spirit is putting His finger on you and saying, this is sin, or these are sins. You're out of fellowship. You need to repent. You're not walking with me anymore. But you say... I haven't sinned. Look at verse 10. We make God a liar and His Word is not in us. That means God's truth doesn't affect us anymore. John 17, 17, Jesus said, Lord, sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. Your Word is truth. John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's the Word of God, friend, that leads us to life and liberty. But listen to me. When you become backslid and you start deceiving yourself and saying, well, this isn't really sin. And this really is God's will for my life. And the devil puts all these false prophets around you. Friends, family, whoever it is that he can speak to. Oh, you're good. You're fine. Just, just keep going the way that you're going. Everything is great. And the whole time the Holy Spirit's saying, fellowship's broken. Fellowship's broken. Well, this is, some, this is a byproduct. You come to a place, friend, that you no longer want to hear the Word of God. You hate coming to church because all the preacher does is preach against you. And it doesn't matter, friend, what the pastor preaches on or what the Sunday school teacher preaches. Listen, friend, they could get up there and read the three little pigs and all you're going to hear is what your sin is. It's all you're going to hear because that's the problem. And so you come to a place, you become bitter, you become miserable, you become hateful. Quiet time stops because you don't want to be confronted because every time you open the Word of God, God hits you right between the eyes where the need is. You don't want to hear songs. Joyful people in Christ make you sick. Well, you know, good morning, praying for you. Can you stand that person? You're just so bitter and you're so miserable. Bible study becomes fruitless. Fellowship with other believers becomes broken. Bible study, prayer, worship, service, all of that absolutely ceases. And here's why. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Uh, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore we, we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest we drift away. What happened? You drifted away out of fellowship with God. My friend, that's one of the worst forms of death, a slow drift. You just drifted away from God. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What happened? You neglected your personal relationship with Christ through sins of commission, sins of omission, both and or, but you come to a place, friend, you're out of fellowship with God. You're backslid. You're drifting away. And it's neglected. You don't do anything about it. My friend, listen to me. It doesn't stay stationary. It just continues to get worse every day, moment by moment. 
You're separated because of sin. Backsliding affects every spiritual relationship that you have. It's going to affect your marriage. It's going to affect your relationship with your kids. It's going to affect your relationship with your boss, fellow employees, your neighbors. Every relationship that you have, when you are spiritually backslid, you're out of fellowship with God, it affects every relationship. Why? Because Christ is no longer living through you. He can't meet needs in other lives because fellowship's been broken. Now, rather than walking with Christ and having all things in agreement with Christ, you're separated. You're on your own. And so you just become a miserable, bitter, absolute person. Psalm 51, verse 12. One of the things that David wanted, friend, after, after he had repented, was the joy of God's salvation restored to him. He had lost his joy. I want to tell you something, friend. If you lose your joy, it's nobody's fault but yours. And this is one of the things that happens when somebody loses fellowship. They won't, they won't start blaming everybody. You know, it's this person's fault that this is going on. And it's that person's fault. And they didn't do this. Friend, listen to me. If you lose your joy, you become out of fellowship with God. It's nobody's fault but your own. You're the gatekeeper. Doesn't mean the devil didn't use other people to help do things and tempt and lead. But friend, listen, I'm the gatekeeper on the spiritual decisions that I make, and so are you as a child of God. And so when fellowship is broken, you just become a miserable... And and listen, the most miserable person you're ever going to meet is not a lost person, it's a saved person out of fellowship. Just grumpy, mean, bitter. Oh, the joy that could be found if they would only turn back to Christ. Jeremiah's question, Jeremiah chapter 8, verse number 4. We preached out Jeremiah last week, Jeremiah chapter 18. Ten chapters before, in chapter 8 and verse number 4, Jeremiah asked a question. God, God said it through him. Will they fall and not arise? I mean, think about this. If someone is backslid, they fell out of fellowship with God, then get up and go home. Why would you continue in the state that you're in? It's only going to get worse. And that's what John leads us to next, a new beginning. There's a necessary birth, there's a neglected backsliding. Notice now, a new beginning that can be had. A fresh start, revival, renewal that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 4 of 1 John 1. John says, the Holy Spirit's leading me to write this. These things I write to you that your joy may be full. That you can have full joy in Jesus Christ. Well, what he's going to begin to write is the path to restoration. It's it's the pathway to have a right, renewed relationship with the Lord. Uh, John 13 and verse 10, Jesus said, if someone's been fully washed, if someone's had a bath, they only need to wash their feet. Remember in Jesus' day, there were bathhouses. And so, you know, I've equated it to all you beach lovers, and Lord help you, but you... You go to the beach, and so you, you shower off you know, before you go into your rental. But you know that once you get right inside the door, you've got to stop. doesn't matter how good you washed. Once you get right inside the front door, you've already got sand on your feet. And you've got to clean your feet off before you go in and change and go on with the rest of your day. Well, so it was in Jesus' day. They had community bathhouses, so a person would be completely washed. But on the way back to their house in sandaled feet, their feet would get dirty just through traveling. And Jesus said they don't need to take a whole nother bath. 
They just need to wash what's dirty. Well, if you've been born again and you're out of fellowship, friend, you don't need to be saved again because you only be saved once. You only need to wash what's dirty. And so that's part of the, the step to restoration and renewal. You need to clean what got dirty. Well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we repent of the things that have destroyed fellowship with the Father? Well, first off, you have to come into the light. Because that's where God is. Friend, God's not coming into the darkness. He can't do it. Because He is light. And so you've got to come into the light. Friend, if you get something in your eye, you don't run into the bathroom and turn all the lights out and drop the, the blind and start jabbing in there with a Kleenex. What are you going to do? You're going to turn the light on. Get as much light as you can. Get a flashlight. Lay it down. Something's in my eye. Put a light on it so you can see it. Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24. The psalmist says, search me, try me, see if there's any wicked way in me. My friend, if you really want separation from what it is that brought separation between you and God, you're going to come into the light of His convicting Holy Spirit and say, God, search me. God, show me what's wrong. Not, you know, like you see some of these things on TV, uh, the person, you know, that's got a dead body in the trunk. And they're like, you know, sir, do you, do you have anything illegal? Uh... Well, you know, I haven't uh, had my vehicle inspected. Is that, oh, yeah, that's all. That's all. All right, well, have a good day. And they're, they're on down their way driving along until the cop sees the taillight out, pulls them over, and then finds the dead body. Well, the person driving the car, they don't want the cop to know what's in there. And a lot of people come to God that way. Now, God, I'm willing to confess that I haven't been reading my Bible, but I'm not confessing this because I'm not willing to give that up. Friend, you might as well save your time. When we confess, we are to confess everything. We come into the light and ask God to find everything. John 16, 8, and he will convict of sin, all sin, righteousness, our lack of it. God will point to the place. Remember, God sent Nathan the prophet, 2 Samuel chapter 12, to David to, to give him the message that he needed to hear. Who's in sin in this house? You're the man. You're the man. We ask, we humble ourselves before God and say, God, you show me, me, not my wife, not my kids, not the government, not my boss, not my neighbor, not whoever it is I've been trying to blame for this. You show me where the problem is so that, God, I can confess it. So we come into the light, and then just secondly, what we just said, we confess it to the Lord. And that begins with agreement. You agree with God, no arguing no reclassifying, and heavens, aren't we living in that day? What used to be sin isn't sin anymore. Well, friends, the Bible says it's sin. It's still sin. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What was always right will always be right, and what was always wrong will always be wrong. And so we simply agree with God. Look at verse number 6. If we say we have no fellowship with Him. Verse number 8. If we say we have no sin. Verse number 10. If we say. When it comes to confession, friend, it's not about what we say. You know, what we've labeled or not labeled. We simply confess what the Bible says is sin. Look at verse number 9. If we confess our sins. That means, friend, look, name it. You don't come to God with just this blanket statement that, now, how many of you, don't raise your hand, 
When you pray each day, says, you know, God, forgive me of my sins. Just, you know, just, you just put it in a Lowe's five-gallon bucket, you know, and just kind of set it before God. No, friend, the Bible says when we, look at it, look at, look at verse number nine. If we confess our sins, that means, friend, you've got to name it. The Holy Spirit's going to put his finger on it, and if he's going to put his finger on it, you've got to name it. And say, God, I've done this. I agree with you about this. This is what's caused the problem. Name them one by one. If we confess our sins. And then, friend, listen, we're to do it immediately, and we're to do it specifically. How many of you, you know, we'll go back to other illustration. You get a speck of sawdust in your eye. You know, you found that it's just a good course of action to wait a couple of weeks to get it out. You know, just to get a good eye infection. You know, it turns half red, and then you've got to go and pay extra co-pays. Some of you just passed out because I said the word copay. It just made you shake. You do that. Listen, no, you do it immediately. As soon as you get something in your eye, you want it out immediately. Friend, we're to have that same kind of thrust and passion to, to confess sin. As soon as we sin, we don't wait. We're to confess it immediately. Because fellowship has been broken. We're to confess it immediately. But not only that, we're to be specific about it. You get a speck in your eye, you don't, you don't say, well, it's in there somewhere, right or left eye. I'm not sure. It might not even be my eye. Maybe it's up my nose. I don't know. No, friend, if you've, listen, if you've got a speck of dust in your eye, you know it's in the upper lid, right corner, exactly. And when you lay down, friend, for whoever to dab it out with a clean, teen, clean, clean Kleenex, say that ten times, you tell them exactly where it's at. You do it immediately and you do it specifically. So are we to confess our sins to the Lord. And then third, we completely remove it from our lives. Repentance literally means to turn from and to turn to. We turn from the sin that is broken fellowship. That is, we put it away. And we turn to Christ in a renewed surrender to His Lordship. And when that happens, look at chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an advocate. He speaks on our behalf. When we confess our sins, Christ is there to speak to the Father for us. And look at verse 2. He himself is the propitiation for our sins and not the sin, for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. For all of our sins, past, present, and future. And so the blood of Jesus Christ continues to cleanse us from sin's effect on our life. He's our substitute. He's our payment. And look at verse number 7 of chapter 1. He then, His blood cleanses us again. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse number 9. If we confess our sins, that is, we agree with God, we say the same thing, we confess, we repent, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what happens then? Listen to me. Fellowship's restored. You've got a new beginning. You can begin to walk with Christ in newness in a revived relationship. 
And boy, that's the message that the prodigal son needed to hear in Luke chapter 15. Remember, he chose to leave the father. Sonship had been established at birth. But fellowship had been broken. He said, I don't want to live under your rules anymore. I don't want to live under your roof. Give me what's due mine. I'm going to live my life the way I want. Well, reality came. He found himself in a far country, spent all that he had. And there he was with the swine. Boy, that was a slap in the face for a Jew. And there he sat there with the swine. He said, boy, I'd give anything. I'd give anything if I could be back home. Just to be one of my father's servants. His servants live better than I'm living now. And so he came to me and said, his fellowship's been broken. Sonship could never be changed. He was always going to be the father's son. But fellowship had been broken. He became convicted of his sin, the life he had lived. He says, I'm going to arise. I'm not going to stay this way. I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to confess my sin. And I'm going to humble myself and say, I don't even want to live as one of your sons anymore. I'll live as one of your servants. And so he got up and he went. And the Father was waiting all the time, friend. He was looking and he was watching. And he saw him. He saw his son coming back. And he ran to meet him. He said, let's celebrate. My son who has gone away has come home in brokenness and repentance. And they killed the fatted calf to celebrate. He put his coat on him. He put his ring on his finger. And he brought him back in. And he had a new opportunity to begin to have fellowship with the Father. Now, I wonder who's here this morning. Listen, we're about to go to invitation. Listen to me. There's never been a moment in your life, really, where you have truly repented of sin. You've trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. You need to establish sonship this morning. That's your problem. You need to establish daughtership. You need to be spiritually born again. But I wonder if there's a child of God here this morning. Listen to me. Be honest. There's really been a better spiritual day in your life than where you are right now. If you'll be honest with God because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, you know it's because of sin. Sins of commission or sins of omission. But you are not walking with Jesus Christ. You're not following Him every day. It's because you made a choice to turn and go your own direction. Why would you continue to drift? Don't do that. Do like the prodigal son. And go back home. Choose today to agree with God, to name the sin, to confess it, and to come back home and leave this place, friend, in a right relationship, having perfect fellowship with God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never been born again, you've never trusted Christ to be Lord of your life, tell Him so right now in truth, won't you? You hear me today. What you do with Jesus determines where you spend eternity but it also determines what kind of life you're going to have now before eternity begins after you die. If you've never trusted Christ to be Lord of your life, do it right now. Tell Him so in the simple prayer of faith what you desire to do to turn from sin and trust Him to be Lord of your life. Pray just like this. God, forgive me of my sin. I am a sinner. Forgive me of what has separated me from you. I turn from it. I believe Christ died. I believe he rose again. And I trust Jesus Christ today to be Lord over every part and every area of my life. As best as I know how, I ask you to save me as I turn from sin and surrender my life to you. If you prayed that prayer.